Amen. How we doing this morning? Are you feeling that uh, one hour of... I know some of us are like, Lord, why couldn't this happen on Friday? Why did it have to happen when I got to get up and go to church? But you know what? We got the spirit. We had some good singing. So we all going to get through this together, right? Amen. Let's go to God with the word of prayer. We're going to continue all with our, our churches, our seven churches of Revelation study. Uh, looking forward, our, re, our, uh, our series here on the look, uh, looking at the churches in Revelation and uh, just uh, learning different lessons that uh, Jesus would want us to take away and apply to our own church. And so um, I've been excited. Uh, we're getting to the shortest one, the church at Sardis. So let's look at that this morning. Let's go to God with the word of prayer, and then we're going to jump right into our message for today. God in heaven, Father, we thank you uh, for waking us this morning. Uh, we do thank you for our health, God. We know that there are many people right now who are uh, battling different illnesses and sicknesses, God, and we're just grateful that uh, we get to come here this morning and worship you, Father. We pray that you'll help us to stay healthy. We thank you uh, for... Uh, just uh, the information that we received this morning uh, from Dr. Pickens, and we ask that you help us to be wise in our interactions. God, help us um, to not, uh, like she said, to not uh, treat people like, uh, like they're, like they're uh, demon-possessed, Father, but um, we, we know that we need to be a light even uh, even amongst uh, situations like this, God. We, we still need to show compassion and uh, but I, I pray that you help us to be wise as well, God. If we're, if we're sick, uh, we, we know that you know our hearts, and we want to be the church. But if we're sick, help us to be wise and stay home. Uh, Father, we pray that you'll bless this message. We pray that the days going forward we'll be able to see opportunities to put it into practice. God, we love you and thank you. Let my words be yours. In Jesus' name, amen. You heard the saying, a reputation is everything, right? I love this quote by Warren Buffett that says, I think I got the wrong, hold on a second, guys. You guys got me? All right, there we go. It takes 20 years to build a reputation and five minutes to ruin it. If you think about that, you'll do things differently. We're going to look at a church who had a reputation. The city of Sardis, in hindsight... They would have done things differently if they had given careful thought to their reputation. It was a city that was virtually indestructible because of where it was placed. It was, it was built on this natural rock hill. It was vertical on each side, on three sides. And that made it, it, its city impenetrable. Its Acropolis was... Uh, it was so impenetrable that it even had a saying that was attached to it. In fact, the saying was to capture the fortress of Sardis. In those days, that meant to do the impossible because to, to armies at that time, it was impossible to sack this city. It's like saying today, not in a million years. It's just impossible to get that done. That's what it was like. That's what it was considered back in those days when people thought of capturing Sardis. 
Now, this city, because of its reputation, had become overconfident and complacent. They let their guards down, and they were defeated not once, but twice. In one instance, a guard dropped his helmet over the city wall, and thinking no one was watching, crept out down the special pathway to get his helmet. But he was being watched by the enemy soldier. And the watcher led a squadron of soldiers back up the same way, and they caught the city by surprise. A similar attack happened in 214 B.C. Once again, through the negligence of the defenders of the city. You know, we also have an enemy who's watching us, who's looking for a way in. Just as Sardis' enemies were carefully watching. You know, as a Christian, we've got to be careful to not let our guards down. We let our guards down. There's someone always watching, looking for an opportunity to creep in and ruin your marriage, to creep in and tear down your family, to creep in and destroy your faith. We cannot afford to let our guards down. Amen? Now, the church at Sardis had a similar reputation to its city. It looked impressive on the outside, but it didn't fool Jesus because Jesus was not impressed by the things that man are impressed with. You know, Jesus was not impressed so much that he wrote a letter. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I, I started to really appreciate these letters because I felt like, you know, if Jesus didn't care, he wouldn't have said anything. He would just show up and bring judgment with him. But at least he cares enough to say, you know what? Let me give them a heads up. And this is what he did with the church in Sardis. So we look at Revelation chapter 3. Not Revelations. Revelation. Although it is filled with Revelations, the book is called Revelation. In Revelation chapter 3, we start reading in verse 1. It says, To the angel of the church in Sardis write, these are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Obey it and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know what time I will come to you. Yet, you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my Father and his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit of the churches, says to the churches. I have one point today, and it's simply this. Wake up. That's what Jesus said. I was trying to figure out a, a, a catchy, and, but I thought, you know what? Jesus already made the point. 
Let's just stick with what Jesus said. Wake up. Now, I understand that this, this message may not apply to some of you here today. But for those of us who need to wake up, I pray that you will listen and take to heart what Jesus said to the church here in Sardis. You know, Sardis was untroubled by false doctrine. You know, that's the interesting thing. They didn't have false doctrine going on inside the church like we, we heard about in Pergamum. They didn't receive any persecution from outside other than the battles and the five attempts on the city, the two that were successful. So we don't read that they had false doctrine and heresy going on in the inside. We don't read here that they had persecution from the outside. So then why was this church considered dead? Why would Jesus say that you have a reputation for being alive, but then you're dead? They weren't, there was no sign of false doctrine. There was no sign of persecution. So what was going on in this church that Jesus had to write this letter? They received no commendation from him. And it's simply because the people stopped being spiritual. They stopped being spiritual. They were Christians on the outside, but their deeds were something else. And, you know, we see that oftentimes. We see people come to church and we see people carry their Bibles. They look good on the outside, but then the rest of the week, you never know they follow Jesus. Despite their reputation for being active, they looked good on the outside. As Paul said, they had a form of godliness. Well, then, James, how does this happen? How does this happen? How does one have a reputation of being active but then actually dead on the inside? You know, I think God must have known that we would struggle with this because Paul addressed this very issue with the church in Rome. In Romans 13... Starting at verse 11, the Bible reads, And do this understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to what? Wake up from your slumber. Because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Paul said, it's time to wake up. When you understand the present times, we don't have time to waste since Jesus is closer now than he was when you first heard about him. In verse 12, it says the night is, is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the arm of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. And do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. You know, what was happening here is the church had been waiting for Jesus. They've been waiting for Jesus. They've been here while well, Jesus comes and say, well, look, he ain't coming yet, so I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to live life. I'm going to enjoy life. And then when I hear that he's close, then I'll change up. Paul is saying, no, you better wake up now. Jesus is going to come sooner for some than others. Says you got to wake up. 
The day is almost here. Today, the call of the hour is for people to stay woke. See it all over social media. You hear it. Their movement started to be socially, politically, and morally conscious. As important as all those things are, Jesus told Sardis to stay spiritually woke. Because ultimately, that's what matters. You can be awoke of what's going on around you socially and not change a thing spiritually. In other words, you can look good on the outside, but dead on the inside. Just because we're taking care of things in our society doesn't mean that we're right with Jesus. Sardis look good on the outside. It's a good thing to take care of your fellow man. It's a good thing to fight for justice. It's a great thing to stand up against injustice. But if you're not right with God, what will it really matter? Are you really woke? That's what Jesus is asking. Are you really woke? See, John, Jesus told Sardis, and Paul says it here, when you engage in dark deeds, not knowing that time is short, you're not woke. When we remain in a state of spiritual complacency for too long, when sin is tolerated and the good works are no longer pursued in a part of our lives, that can lead to a spiritual coma. And as the Bible says, our conscience become seared, meaning that we no longer are moved by the things that used to move us. The cross used to be enough for people to change. You, all you had to do is say, remember what Jesus did for you on the cross. But when you're in a spiritual coma, not even that moves you. Not even that compels you to push forward. Jesus is saying, get woke. When we're unresponsive to God, when we have this attitude like, I've heard that before, you need to ask yourself, am I asleep spiritually? Or am I still sensitive to God's prompting and leadership in my life? You know, the sins of commission, as is known in the religious world, may not be the only ones keeping us from moving forward. We put a lot of focus on the sin and the wrong things that people do. But there are some things that you should do that we aren't doing that is also sin. Those are called the sins of omission. James 4.17, anyone who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, what? Sins. So there's some things that we should be doing that we're not doing that God also says is sin. You know, every year between 60,000 and 200,000 people will die from a medical condition known as deep vein thrombosis or DVT. Usually, DVT occurs in a person's legs where blood has pooled, allowing a blood clot to form. Once formed, 
the danger is that the clot might circulate to the lungs or to the brain where it can cause respiratory failure or stroke. The tragic thing about DVTs is that they're not caused by irresponsible behavior, but simply by being inactive. Simply sitting or lying down for too long is all it takes for one of these clots to form. You know, when we blatantly do things that God forbids, we expect that there are going to be some kind of consequence. But because of the sins of omission are so subtle and usually puts us to sleep over time, we tend to think of them as more benign. And nevertheless, sometimes it's the person who lays around not doing nothing, not moving forward, not growing, that faces the gravest danger. Even more so than the person who knows that they're doing something wrong. At least that person can say, you know what, I am doing something wrong, I need to repent. The person who's asleep is so asleep that they don't even realize that they're in sin. And this is why Jesus is saying, wake up! Have you ever fallen asleep on a train? I remember when I used to work for the post office and I was dead tired. I lived in the Bronx. I took the, three, the two train to 149th Street. And I fell asleep, missed my stop, ended up in Brooklyn. Got off the train, got on the other side, got back on the train, felt, you know what, I got a few more stops. I just closed my eyes. And when I, and I, I'll just open, I woke up just as the doors were closing. And I decided, you know what, hey amen, I'll just ride to the next stop. But you know, when you ride the two train, at, at some point, you can't just walk to the other side. You got to pay again. So then I realized, oh my God, I can't get off this stop, so I got to go to the next stop where I can just get up and walk around. So I sat down, closed my eyes. This time I was fighting to stay awake and made it to the last stop on the two train. I just kept falling asleep and falling asleep, passing my stop. Life was passing me by. Some people are like this spiritually. They just close their eyes and, and, and fall asleep, and, and life is passing, and they're missing opportunities. They're missing chances. And God is saying, wake up! You know, recently the Bronx lost a disciple, lost a brother who died in his sleep. Brother was in his 20s. How did he begin to live life? Life is short. You got to wake up. You don't know when your time is coming. Think about the last time you heard someone's death and how surprised you were. There's going to be a time when someone hears about yours. It's going to be just as surprised. Jesus doesn't want us to be caught off guard. He wants us to stay awake. Now, the good news, 
is that their situation was not completely hopeless. Jesus told them to wake up, to strengthen what remains and is about to die. That means that God is saying there's something still there. It just needs to be strengthened. I can work with that if you're willing to work with me. You know, I don't know where your faith is at this morning. You may feel like you don't have enough faith to make Jesus Lord of your life. You may feel like I don't have enough faith to turn this thing around in my life. If you're willing, if you're willing to strengthen it, God is saying, I can work with that. I can work with that. There were some people who were too ashamed to approach Jesus. They had to grab on his garment. They had to call out to him. They thought they were unworthy. Jesus said, you know what, I can work with that. So no matter where you're at in your faith, whether you're a Christian, whether you're making your way back to God, whether you're kind of on the fence and don't know if this Christianity thing is for you, God is like, you know what? I can work with that. All I need is for you to take a step forward and a leap of faith. I can work with it. I can absolutely work with that. But how do we do that? What do we do? Well, Jesus tells us right there, wake up. You got to snap out of it. You got to come to your senses and realize, you know what? Even though I may not see it, there is a possibility I may need a little more Jesus in my life. So you know what? Let me at least find out where I could be asleep spiritually. And that takes having somebody in your life to help point out, hey, you know what? That's a little weak. Let's strengthen that. Let's work on that. The next thing he says is strengthen what remains and is about to die. There was something in this church that was on its way out. What do you think it is? You know, if, if, if Jesus looked at Harlem and he wrote a letter to Harlem under the same conditions, what would you say is about to die? Are you waiting for me to fix it? Because the last time I checked, Jesus wrote the letter to the whole church. If you're waiting for the region leader and you're waiting for the evangelist and his wife to fix it, then you are asleep and need to wake up. Because this is an us thing. We're all in this together, good or bad. Many times throughout scripture, when God calls his people to repentance, it's not just individuals. He's calling the whole congregation, the whole people to come. To, even if you don't see your, 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 your part in this, he's calling us all to strengthen what remains. What is Harlem known for? Last week we had Ben Barnett come and he said, man, Harlem is a giving church. You guys are very giving. Well, guess what? That can die unless we strengthen it. And we keep working on it. We keep being giving. We keep giving. But what are we not commended for? That's the thing we got to think about. I can't remember the last time a preacher got up and said, man, this place is packed. Everybody's on time. I would love to get that as a commendation. 
Because I know we got it in us. You may feel defeated, but Jesus is like, I can work with it if you're willing to strengthen it. You know, we need to exercise our faith. That's the only faith, way your faith will get, will get stronger. You've got to stretch it. You've got to exercise that thing. Find someone to pray for. Find some circumstances to pray about daily. Stretch your faith. Make a decision to meet someone new every week. Step out on faith. Otherwise, your faith will not grow. It will not get strong. Maybe you need some stretching in the area of giving. Maybe you felt convicted when he said the whole church was giving. You were like, ooh, he ain't talking about me. You can do that in so many ways. Contribution. Give an extra $5 if it stretches your faith. Serving. I'm so encouraged by the people who shows up to our, our weekly uh, leaders training who aren't currently leading groups. They're stretching their faith. They're willing to be stretched. They're willing to grow. If you need to step out of your comfort zone, that's how you strengthen what remains. He talks about remember. Remember. You know, whenever you find this word in the Bible, it means to keep in mind, not just recall when you need it, but constantly to meditate on it. Jesus is saying meditate on these things. In other words, we need to get back to the basics. Some of us just need to go back to doing the things we did at first. And if you're, if, if you're new to Christ, start reading your Bible. That's a basic thing. Read your Bible. If you don't know how to pray, ask someone here, hey, can, you, can we pray together? Because I want to grow in this area. I want to strengthen this part of my relationship with God. I ask God for a lot of things, but I'm pretty sure that prayer has more to it than just me asking for what I want. Have someone walk with you and pray with you. And then he said, obey. That should be straightforward and should go without thinking. Just do what the Bible says. Just do it. You know, we, we talk to our kids about this. When it comes to obedience, obedience is there for a reason. Because you don't know everything. So if God is telling you to obey something, it's because he knows something you don't know. Even as adults, we still have to obey. And then we get upset when someone checks us on our disobedience. You get upset when you get a speeding ticket. Why? You, you were speeding. We get upset when we, we get caught cheating. You were cheating. You broke the rules. Obey. God makes it simple for us. Love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. If you just focus on those two things, you will grow tremendously. Everything else will start to fall into place. And then lastly, repent. That's just a Greek word that basically means change your mind, change your attitude towards sin. Go the opposite direction. Don't keep going the way you're going because it's not going to help you. This is a very simple message. Very, I don't even think this is a letter. This is like a note that Jesus is so short. It's like a memo. But Jesus is saying, guys, you need to wake up. You need to wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. You know, 
Jesus says that if we don't wake up, he'll come like a thief. I don't know if you've ever been robbed before. If you've ever had anything stolen. If you knew it was going to happen, wouldn't you have been better prepared? Maybe you would have locked the door. Maybe you would have hid that thing that was taken in a more secure location. Jesus isn't coming to steal anything. When he refers to coming like a thief, he's saying, I'm going to come when you least expect it. When you least expect it. I don't know about you. I'm not smart enough to know when Jesus is coming. I want to be ready. I want to be as prepared as I possibly can. You know, one of the cool things is Jesus rebuked this church because they were not living up to their reputation. But not every believer in Sardis was being condemned for complacency. In fact, he pointed out by saying some had not soiled their clothes. So there were some faithful Christians in that church who had refused to die. They refused to just look good on the outside and not good on the inside. They refused to go the same direction as their brothers and sisters in Christ who were just giving lip service. They were like, no, 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 no. I want to be ready. I'm going to live up to my reputation. I'm going to live up to the expectation that God, I'm not going to wait to have the standards lowered in my life so that I can step up. I'm going to step up and let God help me to grow. You know, to those believers, they were faithful. And I mean, it must have been encouraging to hear this letter read and those few who have been living for Christ in the church to hear that Jesus noticed that they were not giving up. That had to be encouraging. You know, just being in a group that is sinful doesn't make everyone sinful. Just as being in a group that is righteous does not make everyone righteous. Just because you're in the church of Christ doesn't mean you are the church of Christ. You got to live like it. And this is what Jesus is calling us to. In verse 5, Jesus promises to acknowledge those who overcome by name before God. You know, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to having Jesus put his hand on my shoulder and say, this is James. He, overcome, he overcame everything Satan threw at him. Here he is, Lord. Here he is, Father. And I, I mean, when you read through Revelation and you hear and you see what the angels have in store and how they're going to stand up and applaud all the saints who made it, that's going to be a glorious day. And to have Jesus himself call you out by name, shout you out by name, yes, that one is mine. She made it. She was faithful. And acknowledge you before God and the angels. Only Jesus has the power to make this happen. In fact, in Isaiah 1, verse 18, he says, Come, let's consider your options. 
Though your sins have have stained you like the color red, you became white like snow. Though they are easy to see as the color scarlet, you became white. You can become white like wool if you have a willing attitude and obey. You know, one thing that Sardis was known for was their wool. And the people of that town wore a lot of white. And so when someone's clothes were stained, it was obvious. Because everyone wore white linen in this town. And so it's interesting that Jesus makes that reference to Sardis, that when you sinned, you soiled your clothes. Because it was considered, you were considered uh, an outcast, sort of an outcast, if your clothes, you walked around Sardis with stained clothes. And God is saying, I can, I can get all that out. There's no sin in your life that I can't clean up. That's what he's saying here through Isaiah. As long as you are willing to obey. As simple as that. Wake up. Strengthen what remains. There's something in you that may be weak, but it can be strengthened. And as the Bible says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To God be the glory.